to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And welcoming this week, she has been on the podcast before, but now Vanessa Marin has teamed up with her awesome partner, Xander, and they have become the go-to team for partnered sex and relationship advice, at least in my opinion. Uh, A lot of people on the internet call them that sex couple. Uh, Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field, and Xander's a regular dude who's been married to a sex therapist for over a decade, which makes him very popular at parties. Their mission is to take the intimidation out of getting intimate. They make you laugh while giving you the courage to talk openly about sex and relationships so you can have more fun in the bedroom. They have an array of awesome online courses and community, as well as a new podcast called Pillow Talks. Welcome, that sex couple. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so we have to start on a poop note um because i saw y'all yes. <laughs> all right <laughs> you know it's the morning you know that's when a lot of people take a shit um so i saw y'all had some stories on recently about literal shit happening uh in relationships um so one question i have to ask that people are always asking me so what is your opinion uh pooping peeing and farting in front of a partner partner yes or definitely not <laughs> well we love for people to all decide what feels good in their relationships because there's no one rule about pooping for everybody yes very therapeutic <laughs> way of saying it and yeah. um for us i'm a fan of having the doors closed with pooping and peeing and farting is like you know, it's a, sometimes you don't have any control over it. So I'm not going to shame anybody for sometimes they slip out, but I would love for there to be like a little bit of an effort to not just like let them rip all the time. (laughs) I I like, she, she really set me up there to sound like I put no effort into it, which I, I, sometimes it feels like that. (laughs) No, I I wish my partner was in here too, because I feel the same way. It's like he's trying to fart on me, you know? Uh (laughs) I can understand how it might feel that way. And from my perspective, you know, you don't, you don't, notice a lot of the ones that I managed to stave off. Of Ooh, course. I know that'd be an interesting. And res- I don't, I don't brag about it either. Well, we should do a little <laughs> research project of like, how many of your farts do I notice? How many <laughs> slip by undetected? <laughs> We've been getting into like a real nitty gritty um, rabbit hole lately. Cause somebody asked us over the weekend, like how many thrusts do you think are in the average intercourse session? So now my brain is like really thinking about <laughs> How do we quantify this? (laughs) Okay, let's think about the fart percentages now. But yeah, I mean, we've definitely some couples in our audience were like, we love to fart in front of each other. It feels like us being comfortable with each other and like no shame around our bodies. Um, And same way about like pooping and peeing and all that kind of stuff. And then other people are like, you know, I like a little bit of mystery in my relationship. I don't need to see or hear everything. So everybody's got their own thing honestly i just enjoy a little private time on the toilet that's true that's like your time for you your self-care time 
But I also feel like it could be a great metaphor for relationship stuff because Xander, what you just said is like, well, you're not noticing all the times that I am putting in the effort to hold in my farts. Like <laughs> that's to me such a metaphor of like people wanting to hear recognition more for the positive things like that five uh-huh. to one positive to negative ratio of like, yes, yeah. don't, don't get upset with me for all the times I did fart. What about all the times I I didn't <laughs> fart and went to the bathroom for private time? Acknowledge, validate me. Babe, I really appreciate you for all the times and all the efforts that you put into not farting in front of me. Thank you. It makes me want to try harder. <laughs> I am so honored to be here for this like momentous <laughs> connection in your relationship. We're doing a therapy session. Who would have known? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, so, you know, every time I see people on video, it's so hard because all of my sessions, a lot of my sessions are on video. So even if I'm talking to like friends, I'm like, so how are you feeling today? Like, yeah. you know, what's going well? Okay. Well, thank you for that quick poop note. I just wanted to start <laughs> off with that to, to break the ice. Okay. But let's bust some myths about great sex and relationships with a long-term partner. So something you all do a lot of work on that I see on your Instagram, but also in your classes is about rediscovering desire, reconnecting, libido differences. So I want people to buy those courses. And of course, there's so much we could say in this conversation. But what would you say are some of the biggest myths that you hear or that you've faced out there about great sex in long term relationships? Oh man, so many. I think probably the first one that comes to mind for me is just this idea that it's supposed to be easy. You know, I think we've been fed this lie by Hollywood that you find your person and the chemistry is so amazing and so incredible and it just is that way. You know, you live happily ever after. Yeah, you never have to talk <laughs> about it. You never have to put any effort in. It just Honestly, happens. like no one really <laughs> even initiates it. It just, yeah, like you look at each other and it's game on, Magic. And, you know. 60 seconds later, you've both had an (laughs) earth-shattering orgasm. Yeah, so I I think, you know, but the interesting thing about that is we can say that out loud, and it's a very obvious, like, okay, yeah, I know, I get it. But I think we've we've been fed this story so much that most of us have really internalized it. And there's this fear that comes up for us, the sadness that comes up for us when we notice like, oh my God, this is really hard. Am I really in the right relationship? Do we really have the good chemistry that I thought we did? So I think it really impacts us on a, on a pretty, you know, severe and negative level. So that's definitely a huge one. And there are a lot of like related ones to that too. Like my sex drive should be spontaneous and I should just, always have a high sex drive, always be in the mood and, you know, open for it. So a lot of things like feed into that one too. Also, when it comes to sex drive, I think there's just so many, so many ideas that like your sex drive should exist independent of all the other stuff going on in your life. Like we get so many DMs from people who list out like all of the real struggles and challenges that they're going through. And they're like, and my sex drive is also gone. How do I get it back? And it's like, well, there's, but there's no, no connection yeah. between the two of like, well, I should have a sky high sex drive, even though we're fighting all the time and I'm dealing with depression and I'm taking this medication, you know, I think and a there's lot a pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what I see with couples that come in to see me is they think that once it becomes difficult or that they have to put effort in that that means that something's wrong. Because I think we live in this culture that is so on instant gratification, right? Like, and if something's not working, like you upgrade to the next model, whether that's your iPhone or your iTunes or whatever it is. And so I think we have this narrative that like once it starts being work, that it's something that sucks (laughs) and you should find something that's easier. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we see a lot. It's interesting. We see a lot of either extreme. We see a lot of people who will end relationships if that spark is not immediately there or if it starts to, you know, flag in the early stages of a relationship. And then on the other end of the extreme, we'll see people who are have been in relationships for decades and they've never, you know, had a good connection. And maybe they even have really put a lot of effort into it. So it seems to be hard for us to find this middle ground of recognizing like, yes, it's, it's, something that we have to put effort into we have to build it but it also is important enough that you know we want to like prioritize it and make sure we're with a compatible partner yeah any other myths that you feel like out there for great sex in long-term partnership um i think i don't know if i would phrase it as a myth but i think a lot of people struggle with the idea of trying new things in the bedroom it's interesting because like that's probably the most generic and common sex advice we hear right like keep it spicy try new things <laughs> so we we've all heard this before a million times but a lot of us really struggle with actually trying new things and i think especially as relationships progress and even get more serious, a lot of us find it harder to try new things with a partner that we're more serious about. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. will tell us, and this was even the case for us mm -hmm. early in the relationship, like we were doing all sorts of kinky things with each other. Yeah, like and it's like, acceptable then. Like, yeah. oh, we don't really know each other. We don't have any history. So let's just like try this stuff. Yeah, yeah. and weirdly it becomes harder to be that vulnerable and try new things like with the more emotional intimacy that develops develops with somebody. So yeah, we, we work with a lot of couples that have been in a relationship for a long time. And, you know, we'll ask them, what does sex look like for you? And they can list it out like down to the second of this mm -hmm. is, you know, this happens and then this happens and, you know, and it's really boring and they're tired <laughs> of it and they hate that they can list out the play by play of what happens every time, but they still feel this anxiety and, um, and fear around shaking it up and trying something different. Why do you think it got harder for you two or gets harder for couples as we get more connected? Because you'd think like, oh, we're safer right now. We can fart in front of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what? yeah, what happens there? You know, that's a question that I've been like kicking around in my head for the last couple of months of like, yeah, what is it that makes it feel so much harder? Because we started hearing about this a lot from people in our audience. And I was thinking back to our own relationship and I was like, yeah, that is true. Like it felt, it felt easier to be, you know, more free and more open with each other. But I think for a lot of people, it's like the stakes start to feel higher of, you know, oh, okay, now I really think this is my person and we're forming this relationship together and we're starting to see a future together. And what if they don't actually like the things that I want to try? Or what if they mm -hmm. get insulted that I want to try it? There's this way that it starts to feel more intimidating. Yeah, because early on, you're not you're not thinking like, oh my God, what if what if this person is totally not into this? You don't you don't really care because you're like you don't even like them very much yet. Like you've just <laughs> started. <laughs> you're just you're just getting a sense of 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 who they are and like whether you two fit together. Once you yeah. feel like you really do fit, I think that it's a combination of like we don't talk about sex openly. So when we don't feel comfortable talking about sex, once we reach that point of seriousness or commitment, mm -hmm. I think that there's this, this like, this idea that we have given permission, like we've, we've locked in our pattern. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, we are, we are committed now. We don't talk about this. We've started doing the same things. And so we have just uh, silently agreed <laughs> that this is what we do. And uh -huh. that the idea of 
of shaking it up would somehow like be an insult to the other person or it would go against this agreement that no one has actually agreed to. Totally. And I, I hate to keep going back to the poop metaphor, but just <laughs> um, there's a saying that I say a lot to clients, which is it might be shit, but at least it's warm. And it's, this kind of, <laughs> it's this kind of feeling like, oh, we're comfortable in our discomfort. Like we've gotten comfortable here and and it's, it's what we know. It's what's familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think in longer term relationships, and this is kind of like the Esther Perel approach to things, but I think sometimes we can get too familial right? And some of the stuff we want sexually isn't stuff that we would want to or need to talk about with our family members, right? And so there is this like incestual thing of like, well, now we're family, but we're also fucking, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's like, how do I say the things I want to do to you when you're also my family? And like, we're so close that we feel like family. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I love a lot of the stuff that she says about that, about the conflicting needs between like, you know, desire and, you know, emotional intimacy. It's really interesting. But yeah, I also like that. I don't think I've put it in that words before. I was sort of like, we've locked in our choices. And now it's like, we can't change it now. Yeah, I mean, what we like to always (laughs) tell people is that over the course of a long-term relationship, a marriage or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like you are each going to change into different people. Like you're going to go through effectively like three, four, five different relationships in terms of who you each are. Like like I can look, like Vanessa and I kind of look back at our relationship. It feels like we've been at least three different people. (laughs) Yeah, you've been non-monogamous with each other ongoing. (laughs) Throughout this time. And I think that if you don't have that assumption that you're going to be changing, you feel like you can't change. Like this person knows me for you know, the sum of all the experiences that we've had before. And so if I change that, all of a sudden, they might not love me anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah. And that would be like such a real feeling of rejection if someone knows that much about you at that time. There are so many great resources out there to put the work in and combat that, including your classes. But one thing that I come across with folks that I'm working with and and even for myself is really deciding to put that work in and not just being like, oh, we're too busy and kind of going through the motions. So any tips for the people who blame it on being too busy on how do we get unstuck and really commit to working on our relationship? I know we yeah we all love to use that excuse I'm too busy and I think we live in a culture that really glorifies busyness and makes us feel more you know worthy and better the busier that we are and I think it yeah it can feel so first of all you know some of it is just normalizing that it takes work for everyone I think a lot of people just get really again scared of the the idea of like what does it mean that we have to take work so that's such a big part of what we do is try to make it seem less scary <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea. Um, but I think, you know, really taking a look at your life and the decisions that you are, have chosen to make, the ways that you're keeping yourself so busy, has that actually led to a life that feels fulfilling and creative and exciting and filled with pleasure? And I think for most of us, it, it absolutely hasn't. And you know, I'm saying this kind of simplistically, like I know each of us have been through our own journeys, of like different periods of time where we had to recognize, you know, I'm kind of prioritizing the wrong things. And that's, it's really hard and scary to do. But I think it's, it's such an important thing to do, too. I think that the other big challenge is that when we start confronting some issues and start thinking about like, okay, 
do I have to put some work in now? Do I have to invest some time or money? We immediately jump to this extreme of like, okay, I have to commit to like six months of therapy every uh -huh. week, or I need to commit to this thousand dollar course that's going to be 16 weeks or, or whatever. And you know, if I look back on our own business, we struggled with this a couple years ago where we had all of these larger courses. And so much of what we were trying to do is convince people of why you need to invest in your, in your sex life and your relationship. Yeah. And as we've really grown our Instagram account, you know, we've, it's like, we're able to check in with people about small little things every single day and kind of show people that like, you don't need to immediately go to the extreme of like, okay, we're going all in. It's like, you can take some baby steps. So like, mm -hmm. you know, listen to one of these conversation prompts and try it out tonight. And once you get listen your- to a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like once you get your feet wet a little bit, you start to see, oh yeah, like these little baby steps that we can take to reconnect or start talking about something actually have a really big impact. And that makes you see the value of, of really investing bigger later when you need to. Yeah, not to downplay the importance of doing therapy or doing like a really comprehensive course, but it absolutely can feel scary, especially if you feel like I have no time in my day. But if you can think of doing things that feel, you know, maybe it's five minutes today, it's 10 minutes tomorrow, that kind of thing, you know, it feels less intimidating, it's easing your way into it, you're going to have some small wins, that's going to give you the motivation to like keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Another topic, and this kind of makes me think of it, another topic you cover a lot is mental load. Um, how do you define mental load? And I'm wondering how it maybe connects to this, because I don't want to yeah. project my primary partnership onto y'all's, but I think dating, a, my partner is also not in the field of sex therapy. Um, and so I think especially dating someone who's in that field who may have more, oh, initially, I think maybe not now, but more knowledge and resources. Um, and then also, I see a gender component as well of like, who in the relationship decides to put in the mental load to take care of the relationship, oh, whether yeah. that be taking the class or going to therapy. Um, so yeah, let's talk about like, what is mental load? And how do we divvy that up when it comes to relationship care? not just mm -hmm. like household chores. Yeah, that's such a great question. So we define mental load as the invisible mental and emotional labor that goes into like making sure your relationship, family, household runs smoothly. So we all have like tasks that need to be done to, you know, keep ourselves, our partner, our family, you know, like holding healthy. in farts. Yeah. <laughs> healthy and safe and, you know, taken care of. So it's yeah. like the tasks themselves, but it's also the remembering what needs to be done, what needs to be in place for that thing to get done, who's going to do it, how will we make sure that that person does it, how does it need to be done. So it's, you know, even little things of, do we still have toilet paper? Do I need to order more on Amazon? Oh, but I have to remember to set up the subscription feature on Amazon, you know? And so it's, it's this really endless <laughs> um, mental energy that goes into keeping track of all of those things. And especially when you start having kids that really multiplies oh, yeah. in terms of the, the amount of labor required. Yeah. Now there's, you know, there's appointments and there's doing, you know, there's activities, activities and, and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So, the, you know, the way that we've talked about mental load is that unfortunately in this society, women really get socialized to take on that mental and emotional labor. And there's, I mean, we could go on a whole, you know, rant about patriarchy and capitalism and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, women really get socialized to take on that load. And I think that's absolutely true in terms of relationships as well, that 
women, you know, we're, we're given more permission to be emotional creatures and we're socialized to pay more attention to our relationships. And so a lot of women, like, especially in, in male, female relationships, it's often the woman who's kind of keeping track of how are we doing? You know, is our relationship okay? Do I, let me read this book. Let me follow this Instagram account. Let me, you know, start reaching out to therapists. Yeah. Because then on the flip side, men tend to be socialized or at least have this story in their head of relationships as like, oh, you put in all this work at the beginning to win your partner over. Mm -hmm. And then once you've kind of won that battle, there's this idea that like, you don't need to do anything. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. Like the work is done. I can, I can just sit on the couch with a beer and relax. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we definitely see a lot of that. And yeah. And so that's, yeah, I mean, even our Instagram audience, I think Instagram in general tends to skew more, um, you know, more female, but our audience is like 93% women, you know, and mm. I think that that reflects that idea of women are the ones who are more, you know, keeping track of, of this. And so, we, you know, we have a bunch of resources for people about ways to start talking about mental load more openly and really get everything out on the table. And, you know, here's what we're keeping track of and how do we share this in a way that feels equitable in our relationship. And I think having relationship stuff be a part of that conversation is a really important thing for every couple. And this sort of brings in a there's almost like a love languages-esque kind of quality to it as well. Like there may be certain ways that you are tracking the relationship and trying to take care of it. And you don't recognize that there are different ways that your partner is. So just being able to have that conversation and say like, here are the ways that I'm thinking about our relationship. What are the ways that you're thinking about it? You know, that might be able to help, but also to get specific about like, this is what I would love to see from you. And especially if you're with a partner, and I don't want to genderize it to men, but like if it is a, a potential male partner in the relationship, like the idea of expressing oneself or if there's someone who processes internally, they may be doing a lot of the work internally on thinking about the relationship, but not sharing it with the, their partner. Another thing that we try to explain or describe for the non majority mental load burden carrying <laughs> partner. Wow, that, we gotta, we gotta come up with a shorter word for that. Yeah. For, for the partner who is not carrying the majority of that mental load. Yeah. And you know, to get gendered for a second, typically that's the man in a heterosexual relationship. But what we tried to describe is how difficult it can be to prioritize sex when your other partner is constantly having all of this mental load. Because often what we see in relationships that are struggling with mental load, they're also struggling with mismatched sex drives or just feeling like there isn't time or space for sex or really other emotional intimacy as well. And so mm -hmm. just, just describing how you know small changes that you can make to take on some of that load can have a really drastic impact on the amount of intimacy and sex that you can have. I it's I do love the even the word mental load because it just it makes me I don't know it makes me think of a sex things like the load you know yeah. <laughs> the load so I, whenever I hear that I'm like a like a child um, and so but you have a class you have like a class on that online right about how to divvy that up that folks can yeah like we have a workbook a really inexpensive workbook that basically lists out a ton of different you know 
categories like areas of a relationship, potential tasks there. And we base this off of um, a worksheet that we did together and we continue to like, you know, go back to it and refresh it. But we just found it so helpful in our own relationship to write out everything that we are, you know, either one of us is keeping track of, taking care of, needs to be taken care of and making this specific plan to split it up. It just, you know, it relieves a lot of mental energy to know like there's a plan. We have our mm -hmm. own individual tasks. We don't have to get into little snippy fights about like, oh, I washed the dishes last time. Well, no, you didn't. I washed the dishes last time, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. And that's because most couples never actually talk about all the things. It's just over time, yeah. the responsibilities kind of get delegated in an unspoken mm -hmm. way. And that's when resentment starts to build because mm -hmm. one partner's like, oh, well, you weren't doing this. So I just started doing it, but I never said anything to you about it. Yeah. And now five years later, I'm super <laughs> pissed. And the other partner's yeah. like, wait, that's not fair. But we also never, we never negotiated it. it. Yeah, I've been kind of skating by knowing that you'll just do it if I don't do it. So it just creates this kind of like high stakes oh, yeah. resentment and gridlock like many years down the road. Yeah, I think gridlock is a really good word for it. So on the topic of your online courses, what's your most popular one currently? And why do you think it's that one? Our in uh, 2021, our four play guides were our best seller. Little spoiler alert on the very first page of the guides. The very first sentence is actually, we hate the word foreplay, <laughs> but we know that, that everybody knows what you're talking about when you say that. Yeah, you have to use that for marketing. <laughs> yeah. So um, in our guides, we have a vulva edition and a penis edition, and we really detail like exactly how to touch a vulva, how to go down on one, hand jobs, blow jobs. And we go through like really step by step. And that was, I think... The, probably the first product that we made like that of really getting into the nitty gritty specifics of like how to stimulate the body and people have just responded so well to that i think you know it, it can be it can stir up a lot of anxiety and self-consciousness for people around like i don't really know how to do this like where was i ever supposed to have learned how to do this um and other so, than trial and error yeah other than trial and error and um and so we just really yeah have gotten great feedback about people loving having specific step-by-step -step tips and ideas of you know exactly what to do so we followed that one up with a a sex position playbook um for intercourse we wanted to do the same sort of thing because again it's like yeah where do you ever learn how to get on top and ride cowgirl and like am i supposed to be on my knees or my feet am i supposed to be bobbing up and down or rocking back and forth so it's been a lot of fun for us to be able to share those like specific details with people and we've just gotten amazing feedback of people saying I gave my first ever blowjob. I've never enjoyed doing it before. And I actually loved it. And my partner said this is the best orgasm they've ever had. So. Yeah, it's amazing how much <laughs> of a difference it can make when you feel confident in your techniques. So much yeah. of our squeamishness around doing things comes from us feeling uncomfortable that we don't know what we're doing or that someone's going to make fun of us or that they're not going to enjoy it. So just having a so like a baseline level of confidence mm -hmm. or knowledge makes such a difference. And I think one of the things that you hear a lot with sex advice is, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, just explore. And like, yes, we all should just explore. But sometimes it can feel really scary to explore if you're like, I, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to be exploring? Like, what does that mean? Well, yeah, but that's like telling someone who's never <laughs> ridden a motorcycle to be like, just get on one and just explore. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. <laughs> start taking it apart and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. And like, just start accelerating at different levels on different streets and around different corners and like, see how it feels. See how it goes. 
yeah, that's such a great comparison. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, we try to be really careful in saying everybody is different. Every body is different. There is no step by step of like exactly what's going to work for every single person, but having specific ideas of, here's oh, this is a technique on. that I can use with my hand and that I could try using both hands or I could do this with my mouth. Like that gives you a framework to actually explore. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think, yeah, just like we're saying with the motorcycle thing, like when I think about doing taxes or other adult shit that I don't feel like I know as best as I could, like I either hire someone or I outsource or I read a book about it or an article. Um, I mean, the same is true for this. I think it's just people still think it's something that should happen naturally. And it's like, it's not natural. It doesn't come naturally to most people. No, not at all. Yeah, one of the stories that I've I've told before is like uh, the very first time that I gave a blowjob, it was you know with a man, and he said it's just called a blowjob. Like you don't actually blow. And it's like yeah, this stuff doesn't come naturally to us. It's not like I saw the first penis in my entire life and was like I know exactly what to do with that. You know, I'm sure there is someone out there who does appreciate like really blowing on it, but you know, to each yeah. somebody. <laughs> Okay, well, a lot of, I mean, you were talking about how you made this, how you make these videos together and things, but I think a lot of people out there give this advice not to work with your partners or your friends. Mm -hmm. But I feel like everything you've talked about publicly indicates that working together on a sex company has only made your relationship stronger in a lot of ways. So yeah, how has this worked? Like help your relationship? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not for everyone. <laughs> yes. I want to, I want to say that I think there's probably good reason why that advice is out there. You know, don't work with your friends, don't work with a partner, because unless you're really intentional about it, if you go into it, just assuming, oh, it'll just be like a typical coworker relationship. It is not. It is not. It's, yeah, or like we get along as partners. So that means we have the same working style. Yeah. It's like, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we struggled early on. I definitely, I can acknowledge, I can admit that I went into it. I, I, I came out of the corporate world and I went into it thinking, oh yeah, you know, there's certain kind of coworker norms and the ways that we talk to each other and stuff. And it was like, no, obviously like we know each other in a different way. Like we, we aren't able to, to just be flip a switch and be like, okay, cool. We're going to like take our relationship out of it and just be cordial coworkers. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a struggle. And for me, it took a lot of personal work and thinking through like how you know how how can i change my approach um how can i be really clear from vanessa about what i need like am i looking am i looking for my coworker or am i looking for my wife when i'm asking a question or looking or needing feedback or just wanting to vent about something but i think the the best thing that we've discovered in this journey cuz we've been working together since uh, 2016. So we've had a few years to, to figure it out. But I think one of the best discoveries for us was actually just in the last year or two. Um, I had been trying for a few years to convince Xander to like come in front of the camera with me. And I wanted to be able to talk about stuff as a couple and, and talk about our own stories and challenges. And it was a bit of a struggle for Xander because he oh, yeah. was feeling like, you know, well, you're the one who has the training in this and you're a therapist. Like, I don't, I don't have that. And so I, I managed to convince him. Um, and so, you know, we started doing, inst it really started on Instagram. We started doing Instagram stories together every single day. And we, we really noticed that talking about sex together every single day 
had a huge impact on our relationship like and our sex life and, yeah our sex mm -hmm. life like we've had way more sex way more fun in the bedroom we feel more connected to each other um you know and we've put a lot of work into our sex life throughout our entire relationship and i think we have an amazing sex life but it just like that simple act of talking about it really took it to the next level and so we're actually in the midst of writing a book about that because it was such a reminder to us of the power of talking about sex in your relationship yeah okay so for listeners out there not saying you all of a sudden have to become like dynamic duo and work together <laughs> but maybe taking the advice of like the conversations that you have to have in business could be good conversations to have as your relationship business, like checking in. How do we want to be communicated with? How do we like to do work? What is our comfort level with this? How do we like to speak to each other? And then this reminder of doing something every day that fosters your connection um, doesn't mean it has to be what y'all are doing, but just something that's dedicated to that. I yeah, we it. have a lot of followers on Instagram who say, you know, my partner and I will both follow you. And at the end of the day, we have this little ritual of like, oh, mm. what did they talk about today on, you What'd know, you think about what did they talk about in their stories? And even if it doesn't relate to them, it's still that sex can be a topic of conversation. You can get to this point where you can talk about sex the way you can talk about the weather or what you want for dinner. Maybe dinner is not a good example because we are always arguing about like, I don't know, what do you want? I don't know, I asked you first. But you know, that you can just get comfortable talking about it and that it can make a surprisingly big impact on the intimacy in your relationship. What do you think is still the hardest thing for y'all when it comes to sex as a couple? Ooh, we might have different answers. I would say for me, it's so easy to just slide into having a routine with each other. Yeah. And we yes. are both so intentional about, you know, communicating and trying to try new things. But I, I, I find myself always coming up against like, man, it's just so easy to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Especially and, when it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know. It's like, it's good. It's not broken. Why, you know, why do we need to fix yeah. it? Kind like of thing. Pizza, pizza every night. Like yeah. why yeah. do something else? <laughs> So yeah. Sometimes it'll, yeah, it'll catch up to me. I'm like, okay, I gotta, you know, let me try something a little bit different. Let me, you know, shake it up a little bit, but just noticing that like, whoo, it is so easy to, to get into that. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say nearly the exact same thing. Okay. I, I find that, yeah, I, I have this back and forth in my head where I'm like, I know, I know like things are great with us right now. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And sex is amazing. And then there's the part of me that goes, oh, well, maybe you should be trying more things. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. well, but like, but why would I want to do that when I'm already, like, I know that I'm going to love what we <laughs> typically do. And, you know, I do know that at times where things haven't felt so great, it has been doing new stuff that's really helped get us out of a rut. And I have a, you know, I, I recognize the value in really varying your routine and then Right now, we're in a routine that's really awesome. I'm super happy with it. And so I'm like, what? If it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, but I think that's a good reminder for listeners that even if you're in this field, even if you're doing this, like there's still times to get into the routine. And maybe it's okay sometimes to lean into that routine if you have an awareness of it. And if you have kind of like a scheduled protocol of sorts where you check in and you're like, oh, are we feeling good in our routine? Just so it's not just yeah. going on without any check ins, but like, yeah, I mean, if it's good, like, why not stay there and celebrate being there for a while? You don't have to, like, keep going for the next best thing. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like a, a push-pull. 
Yeah, I think there's like a there's a little line that you have to walk around. Like it's great to figure out the things that work for you in the bedroom and to have a comfort in that, a familiarity in that. And if those are the things that are bringing you pleasure and orgasm and all that fun stuff, like do those things, of course. And it also still is valuable to, you know, to try new things. It's okay if you try something new and you're like, mm, no, I actually like the old familiar thing better. But I think for me also it's not even like trying new things necessarily. It's just maybe a slightly different order of things or bringing in more oral sex or more toys or more lingerie or stuff like that. Yeah. It's nothing that we haven't ever done before, but just noticing like it can be really easy to, especially as a male, female partner, it can be really easy to default to intercourse. And that's like the main act, you know, or default mm -hmm. to like the two positions you do most frequently that yeah. are really great. And you love them, <laughs> but they're the two positions that you do the most frequently. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so one of the last questions is you posted something recently about getting distracted during sex. And I hear that right now maybe the distraction is counting how many pumps so you can, yes. <laughs> so you can submit this to your listeners. Uh, one, two, three. Um, okay, so distraction happens, but let's talk about that and how for each of you, it is most helpful to come back to the present moment when you do notice a distraction and even how you maybe communicate that to the partner or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you stop and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to let you know, I got distracted because I'm thinking about the dishes <laughs> and not wanting to insult them. Um, but yeah, how, how do y'all handle distractions and how do you come back to the present? Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions that people have about sex is that you should be 100% in the moment and so connected and so focused. And the yeah. reality is like we are training our brains all day, every day to be doing multiple things at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think even, you know, even if you were to practice meditation for three hours a day, like you're still going to have sex and catch your mind wandering on occasion. So I want to yes. normalize that it's totally fine for your mind to wander. It's just, and I think, you know, even a meditation expert would tell you that too. It's not that your mind is constantly focused. It's that you notice yourself drift away and then you bring yourself back into the moment. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's been being really gentle on myself when I notice my mind start to wander and then finding different techniques to like gently bring myself back into the moment. So a, a really good one for me is eye contact. Like it's, you know, I can, I can go up into my head and start thinking like, oh wait, I've got, did I remember to do that, you know, that thing earlier today? But if I can make eye contact with Xander, that brings me back into the moment of like, hey, this is the two of us sharing these special moments together and like being yeah. present with each other. And that's just like an instant, you know, back in the moment for me. I don't ever, I don't think I ever share with you when I'm feeling, if, if, if something really mm -hmm. big was coming up for me that maybe I wasn't feeling safe for some reason, or oh, I was just yeah. feeling super dissociated, not. If you needed to stop. Yeah. If I needed to stop, I absolutely would tell him, Hey, can we take a pause? Like uh, something's going on with me. But if it's just, you know, I'm thinking about like, Oh wait, did I take the laundry out? I'm not gonna, I'm usually not going <laughs> to share that with him <laughs> in the moment. I'm just going to kind of deal with that on my own. Yeah. For me, I think that the majority of distractions that, that I deal with during sex probably have to do with like uh, performance anxiety or, you know, worrying about the strength of my erection. Mm -hmm. um, and in the past, I used to feel really, that made me feel really uncomfortable. And I felt yeah. like I can't share this because like my job as a man is to be rock hard all the time and, you know, can't, can't lose it. But, um, yeah. and, you be know, the problem, and be confident in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, but the problem is when you don't 
share that. And then something, you know, it keeps getting worse. Like <laughs> at some point you have to confront it. Um, and you know, what I've, what I have learned to do is yeah, once, if I start getting to a point where I feel like, okay, this is, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. I have, I have learned to share that and to say, Hey, I'm, my body's not doing what I, what my mind would like it to do. Can we slow down? Can we switch up what we are doing? Can you focus on me for a little while? And then, and then the big part for me after that is really feeling comfortable receiving because when I'm already in, when you're already in your head, like, okay, well, like I, I lost my erection. I got to get hard again. And like, she's helping me out. You're like, oh my God, it's taking when a really long happen? time. Like, what if it, what if it, what if I go a couple more minutes and it doesn't get hard again, then what? It's all going to be for naught. So I've just really tried to focus on just kind of closing my eyes, taking a breath and being like, you know, like I deserve, I deserve to receive. It is okay to receive it. It's going to take how, however long it takes. And Vanessa always reminds me that often it takes far less time than it, it feels like in my head. <laughs> 30 seconds. You're like, the, the seconds are ticking by so <laughs> slow. Uh-huh. But I think yeah. that's also, you mentioned like a really pro tip for any penis owner to use if you're struggling with your erection in the moment. Um, is that especially, I think a lot of women have been socialized to take that personally, like, oh my God, my partner doesn't think I'm sexy or we go to some like, you know, some dark places in our own heads. Mm -hmm. But I love the phrase, like my body isn't doing what my brain wants it to I love do. That too. Yeah. Cause we can all relate to that, right? Like we've all had experiences of like, <laughs> this is not what I want my body to be doing. So it's a great way to just like kind of reconnect with your partner and assuage any anxiety that might be coming up for them. Yeah. And that was such a, I think a beautiful way to say it. If you don't want to get into detail in that moment about what's going on, right? Like you didn't necessarily need to say like, I'm worried about my erection and how long is it going to come back? You know, when is it going to come back? Mm -hmm. And I'm not as hard as I want to be, but just saying that generally to name it and get that out there. I, I agree. I think that was a beautiful way. I think for me, this comes down a little bit to, um, our like erotic identity or blueprint. So for listeners out there, if you're just listening for the first time, go back to the episode about erotic blueprints. Um, but I think figuring out one's erotic style can help you figure out how to reaccelerate into arousal and desire when something comes in that distracts you. So if you're someone who is a sensual person, kind of like myself, maybe you need physical sensations to bring you back into it versus if you're a different style, you may need that, those words, those like physical mm -hmm. tangible things to say to yourself to bring you back. But like, for me, it's like coming back to my sensations, like feeling the bed, feeling the temperature, feeling my skin, feeling my partner's lips for you. It's looking in the eyes. Mm -hmm. So I think if you know what your style is, erotically, yeah. it can help you figure out how to come back to yourself uh, because every person might need something different to bring them back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And then I think for everyone, it's like kindness, empathy, compassion, um, and trying not to shame yourself because it's so normal for it to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, I it was so hard for me to prepare for this interview because there's so many amazing topics that you cover. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I literally want to go through like every Instagram post and ask you questions about each post. Uh, but I want people to be able to follow what you're doing to 
take your classes, to support what you're working on, and to help give themselves a platform and a community to dedicate to their intimacy. So how can folks get in touch, follow what you're doing, buy your courses? Yeah, we'd love to connect with any of your listeners. So uh, the best place to find us is on Instagram at Vanessa Marin Therapy. And we do daily stories like we were mentioning, mm -hmm. you know, talking about different topics, polls, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and we also have on Instagram, we have different um, highlights with all of the free guides that we offer, all of the courses that we offer. So there's a ton of information there. And then, yeah, over on our website, vmtherapy.com, in the top nav, there's a section for our free stuff and then our online courses. So you can click either one of those, check out all the good freebies we have or all of the paid courses that are, you know, anywhere from like $19 to $1,000. Yeah, would recommend. And I know I have listeners of different levels of kink and intimacy and whatever, but like, I really feel like your work, even if it feels it might feel really advanced to some, but it might feel really basic to others. I think mm -hmm. it's always good to come back to the basics mm -hmm. with some of this stuff, no matter what you're interested in. So thank you so much for joining again. And again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and, and talk to you next week.